Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, Dynasty League dirtballs, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide, this is the Roster Watch Podcast, presented by RosterWatch.com. Roster Watch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, RosterWatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch Podcast. This is episode 34. My name is Alex Dunlap. The Roster Watch Podcast, of course, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. Um, okay, so today we're going to get Byron Lambert, co founder at Roster Watch, um, on the podcast. He is driving right now from Napa, California, where he's been at Raiders Camp for the last two days, on his way down to Cowboys Camp for all of you guys in Roster Watch Nation. Uh, bring him on quickly, but first, I've been uh, I've been putting this off, or not putting it off, I guess I've just kind of been uh, forgetting to get it done during the podcast, so I wanted to re- do a separate recording here before we bring on Byron for our Listener League. We have two Listener Leagues this year uh, filled with crazy, maniacal, um, diabolical uh, members and friends within Roster Watch Nation, uh, members of our pro community there at rosterwatch.com. And I was asked to read out a random list of the team names so they can, I guess this is not the list of teams that are going to, this isn't going to be draft order, but so it's even more cockamamie. This is just the order in which they'll be able to select their draft order. So um, here we go. I put them, I I went to random.org. I put in all of the team names, and this is the Cockamamie Listener League. The other Listener League, I believe, is called the Banana Hammocks. Um, So this is the Cockamamie Business League, and here are the 12 teams randomized. Team 1, Chalk Full of Nuts. Or Chalk Full of Nuts. 2, Beast Like Lynch. 3, The Throbbing Monsters. (laughs) 4, one man's trash. Five, the daddy caddy. Six, the tiptoe burglar. See, man, so many of these are inside jokes from the roster watch program. It's awesome. Uh, seven, punch semicolon pie. Eight, the valia spitfires. Nine, lightning longhorns. Ten. Munchin on Bundchen. Eleven. <laughs> trash man's Fonzanoons. <laughs> I had to go look up what a Fonzanoon was. <laughs> you can go look that up on Urban Dictionary. I, I literally I, I, I spit water out of my nose when I read what a Fonzanoon was. And then 12 is Friggity Frack. Okay, so with that said, go to rosterwatch.com, get a pro membership, give the podcast five stars, give it a good review in iTunes. We got Byron coming on right now. The Roster Watch Podcast is brought to you by Roster Watch Nation, our pro community at rosterwatch.com, who for less than a cheap cup of coffee... Uh, support us in all of our maniacal efforts, uh, support us in the creation of all of our tools, uh, all of our travels, everything that we do to make sure that you win fantasy championships. The 2017 Rosterwatch Cheat Sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com for our pro members. The revolutionary cheat sheet that changed fantasy football forever is back only at rosterwatch.com. Winning fantasy players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet is a magic sheet of paper. All you have to do is follow the three simple rules. That's it. Three simple rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet, an expert quality draft is guaranteed. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet, it's mystical, it's magical, it's mythical. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet, it's only at rosterwatch.com. All right, so here we are with Byron. He is live driving from where? Where are you driving? So you're go- you're leaving Napa, heading to Oxnard, correct? Yeah, I'm actually eight miles from San Luis Obispo right now, a, a town, a city I've been very, very interested 
and checking out for a few years now. So driving through there and then about <laughs> two more hours to Oxnard or trying to get into uh, the entirety of Cowboys uh, camp practice today before I believe it's a day off tomorrow and they've got a, a game against the Rams on Saturday uh, in the queue. Okay, so... First things first, first, things first though, man. I got my, I'm on the road with my... I just picked up a cheap cup of gas station coffee to hit the road and record this podcast. <laughs> cheap cup of gas station coffee. It probably cost about as much as a Roster Watch Pro membership. Um, are you still in the same van? I swapped a full-size van for a minivan. <laughs> Do you look any more like a child molester or any less like one? I kind of like van life, man. <laughs> I'm starting to think that this might be the way to go when you rent a car. Well, then, hey, you know that the trash man has lived that van life for basically his entire adult career as a, as a touring musician. Well, so I am, of course, this probably won't come any surprise to you. So I'm headed last night from San Jose trying to get down to San Luis Obispo with the goal to be there by maybe like 9 o'clock uh, to catch some sleep. And, of course, I'm driving, and I see just a quick little detour to Carmel by the sea and to Monterey. And I'm just like, I'm just like, should I follow the map or should I take the detour? And, of course, I'm like, fuck, I got to take the detour. <laughs> so I take the detour. It's beautiful, but then I stayed on Pacific Highway 1 because I was like, dude, this is too sick. And I went about... Oh, man, it's a white-knuckle 45 minutes at night on that thing, on those cliffs out there, on a two-laner in the dark on the, by the ocean. And I get all the way to Big Sur, which looks like it, it's got to be unbelievable if you're there during the day. I mean, the weather, the beauty was, it looks like magnificent. I get down there, and I'm cruising, and all of a sudden, Highway 1 is closed. There's some bridge has been blown out, and there's no signs, no warnings. The only way, only thing you can do is turn around and drive all the way back to Carmel, get all the way back inland to the main highway, and then start coming down. It's like a huge waste of two hours for me. So <laughs> trust me, with the, with, the minivan, with the minivan in tow, I gave serious, serious consideration to sleeping in the car last night. <laughs> you weren't, because we had, we had to get on the phone last night for like business meetings for some different stuff behind the scenes at Roster Watch. Were you driving on that highway whenever we were on the phone? My my decision to detour for Carmel was imminent when we hung up the. Jesus, yeah. Well, I'm, I, that seems like it seems like a bad idea all around. <laughs> that, didn't, that thing didn't go too too well for you. And I was like, uh, I was thinking to myself as you were telling that story. I'm like, why would you want to take the Pacific Coast Highway at night when you can't see the beautiful views? I was just kind of out there and stuck by it, and I just said, well, I'll just go for it. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know how it is, man. Start getting a little, little, little bit of woolly feelings, a little of that cool ocean breeze bristling through your mustache, man. You start getting a few wild hairs out there. Yeah, it always feels, a, uh, always feels a little bit woolly out there by the sea. Hey, before we get into Raiders camp, uh, tell me. Managed to take in any tasting rooms in Napa? Any good? Um, I know you went to Rutherford Grill. Uh, how was your experience there? Oh, man, the Rutherford Grill was awesome. That was a great recommendation by you. Uh, man, these training camp tours are a big hustle, so I'm going to a lot of beautiful places, but not in every stop do you have a whole lot of time to um, to really, you know, dilly-dally around or enjoy the local amenities so i did what i could i got a few really nice glasses of wine at rutherford grill that were both lo uh completely local uh and i i really enjoyed my time in napa that's an exquisite place uh, really uh, stunningly beautiful and uh, definitely a quaint town i certainly look forward to being back to raiders camp annually yeah. i mean that's like a country club out there it's just I awesome mean, the weather you wonder how these guys can get in shape or, you know, how are you getting your conditioning up working out in 68 degree weather? Because you live in the Bay Area. That's, I mean, you play half your game. You realize times have changed so much. I mean, there. I was thinking about this at Raiders camp yesterday. I mean, it used to be a thing where you had to be tough, right? And so it was all about being tough and getting your conditioning up and going and doing two days in San Antonio and 100 and 
15 degrees and yeah. your coach is not letting you drink any water and all these kinds of things. When I was in high school, they would like, make you eat salt pellets. Like, you know, they wouldn't let you drink water. They made you eat these salt pellets. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And then you just realize, you know, times have changed so much. No, I mean, there is a little bit of the pussification of society. But, you know, we've realized the net benefit to working smart versus working hard. These guys are already tough. That's why they're football players. Right. And, you know, the fact is, you know, like you hear about it a lot in training for MMA. These guys will sleep at altitude to get their red blood cell count up so they can hold more oxygen. But they'll go down to sea level that same day in order to work out. And the reason is is they can put more work in. So even though it gets your conditioning up because it's harder to work at altitude, you actually get more work, more quality work in, you know, under normal circumstances. And I think it's the same situation out here like at a NAPA training camp. These guys, yeah, maybe they're not pushing their condition to the max by working out in extreme conditions. But you know what? They're getting a lot of quality work in that way at their, at their best. And so it's just interesting to see how that's kind of morphed as sports science has changed over the years and and just and and how perceptions have changed about player safety not just about the concussions but mainly i think starting with the Corey stringer um death uh, for due to the due to that uh, heat stroke due to overexertion and stuff like we've we've seen a lot of changes since then just with how this stuff is handled not just the nfl level but all the way down to the high school level at the college level even recently where they've banned two a days um it's just like 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 Byron says. These guys are already pretty hard ass dudes, man. You don't have to <laughs> don't have to whip these guys into in, into too much shape whenever you look at them. But uh, w- one last thing, just about Rutherford Grill. I recommended it to Byron because he said, "What's a place around here that's not you know we got Roster Watch Nation backing us on this tour, and this is a good time to remind you that we can do all this stuff because of our pro community at RosterWatch.com. If you're not a pro member at Roster Watch, uh, please consider doing it. Like Byron said, it costs less than a cheap cup of coffee uh but even with uh our our great support from roster watch nation we're the world's leading independent resource of this material for you we're funded completely by you so there's no bias no slant no anything you just get what 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 you know you want to hear from us which is the straight dope and the straight truth even that being the case we are constrained by budget at times and so you know byron couldn't be going to uh mustards or the or the the french laundry or you know any of these other places like that but he said what's a good place that's kind of you know uh, and i'd I'd say rutherford grill's not necessarily you know super cheap but at least it's kind of on scale with a place that's kind of upscale casual in most of your normal um most of your normal cities you know prices like that maybe entrees around you know 19.99 to 22.99 something like that but I'll tell you one thing, man, that place, since it's there in Napa and there's such a culinary culture there and everything else, that place has awesome food and good wine. I think it's one of the better values in, in, in the whole valley. I got to ask you, did you end up trying the ribs? Yeah, on your recommendation, I got the ribs. And even the people next to me at the bar were telling me they were the best ribs they'd ever had. So <laughs> I just certainly, don't... certainly very, very impressed. I'm not sure. From, I mean, they certainly wouldn't beat the Memphis-style baby backs we had in no. Memphis in any kind of barbecue competition. No. But just from a normal casual dining experience, I mean, they're definitely right up there at the top as far as baby back ribs. Oh, yes, dude. I, I, it, did, yeah. I, I ate every single one of them, and there was not a morsel left <laughs> on the plate. By the way, I got out of there, it concluded for $75. So I think that's about, what, two and a half annual pro memberships. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And so your pro membership, you see where it goes to. It goes to some ribs, a couple glasses of wine after a long day of uh, snooping around and taking in intelligence from Raiders camp that we'll get to right now. I guess it was two days at Raiders camp. So, uh, I mean, for before I ask about any anyone specifically, any major, you know, any major takeaways besides just Napa in general, how, how, how nice it was, any... Um, any overarching themes that you have kind of coming out of camp before we get into the specific players, or do you just want me to get into it? Oh, yeah, man. No, this was one that was jam-packed with player intelligence for Roster Watch Nation. This is, I, I really gleaned a lot. Uh, the two days in, in Napa were huge uh, for getting our head around this Raiders team 
I'm actually, I learned so much out there that I'm a little bit worried I'm going to forget some of it on this podcast as I'm driving, but we'll, we'll do our best. So, I mean, I don't know, Alex, do you, you want me to just go or you got, you, you have an idea where you want to start? Well, I mean, as you can fire away and I can answer all your questions <laughs> or I can just go for 20 minutes on this thing right now. As, as, as usual, we, we have no show sheets at Roster Watch, so let's just, uh, let's just start out with beast mode um clearly it's it looks to me like beast mode has no competition there for uh for for starting running back duties uh, at least by looking at the depth chart we know what deandre washington is he's a player who we loved coming out a player that we loved through his week at the senior bowl um a, a guy who we said at the time he was drafted that we really liked the pick by the raiders but at the time, we were a little bit disappointed that the Raiders did not make a pick to displace Latavius Murray, who we know sucks and that we've always hated. But rather, it seemed like a guy who was brought in to compliment Latavius Murray, because clearly DeAndre Washington, a uh, diminutive player, a guy who used more of a jitterbug. Um, and then Jalen Richard, who last year showed some nice things, but kind of... As far as I'm concerned, of that same mold, uh, uh, you know, maybe a nice player, maybe a little bit of a diamond in the rough that they found. Certainly not anybody who is on my fantasy radar, and nobody who, you know, from an evaluation standpoint, really pops off to me as an every down option at the NFL level. So it just it seems to me like, it, you know, Marshawn Lynch should be the guy if he is healthy and he is in shape. What did you see out of it? Is that the case? I mean, are, 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 are we way off? Right now, it's looking to me like you can get Marshawn Lynch in the middle of the third round of these drafts. We're going to have a lot of exposure to him. At least we do have a lot of exposure to him so far via use of the maniacal and the magical cheat sheet. Are we off base? Is, is, is he looking good? Where are we on beast mode? You know, let me start with a quick synopsis here. Uh, the key move, the fallout from this, uh, as it relates to the update that I'll be uh, producing for the standard Ultimate Draft Sheet Sheet at rosterwatch.com, I should be updating that hopefully tonight after Cowboys camp and get a, get a gather a little more intelligence uh, out there in Oxnard, is that I'll be moving Amari Cooper down. Down. Making sure. Look, look we've, been, we've been high versus ADP, like way high versus ADP on Marshawn Lynch for – I don't know, at least 90 days now, maybe longer, definitely way back to MFL 10 season. We're getting a ton of exposure in him in draft simulations and real drafts using the standard sheet as it is. I mean, I, it's going to be one of my uh, instructives is certainly going to be that we continue to stay high on Marshawn Lynch. Uh, we'll be getting Michael Crabtree up uh, a bit on the sheet. And then we'll also uh, be making sure to stay high on Jared Cook, another guy we're getting, we've got quite a bit of exposure to right now. And, yeah, I mean, DeAndre Washington is somebody we'll be pushing up uh, on the sheet as well. So that's, that's kind of the synopsis. Yeah, Lynch, I mean, Lynch looks like beast mode, man. He looks like beast mode. He and, does, like he, he looks uh, like he, he looks like he's got his legs. He's like he doesn't look like he's – doesn't yeah. look there's any issues. He looks, like beast. he looks like beast mode. He's getting all, all, all the action and all the meaningful reps. And I mean, like Alex said, he has absolutely zero competition as far as any type of for any type of workhorse horse role. There is literally not another workhorse running back on that depth chart. And it's a good um, offense. It's a good offense. that's going to be in position to score. I just, I mean. There are going to be beast quakes. I've been saying it. There's going to be beast quakes early in the season. And I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Um, the offensive line looks great. So Lynch is getting quite a bit of action in pass-catching drills out of the backfield. Um, he still looks like he's able to break big runs. He's, he's got good feet. He uh, runs very, very hard. He's having fun out there. Uh, I mean, the way I see it with Lynch is that at the absolute minimum, you're guaranteed. I, I believe at the minimum, you're guaranteed 15 touches a game with all the goal line carries, and certainly there's going to be a handful of 20 touch games 
And I won't be shocked if at the end of the season we look down and we say Lynch is a 18 or 19 touch a game guy. Uh, so, I mean, that's, I mean, add that up, that's quite a bit of value there on Lynch with quite a bit of upside. I mean, there's a situation where he may have to go 20, 25 carries in some games. I mean, he, he looks capable of still being workhorse. I think they'll try to manage his role, but nobody's been explicit about that. Um, anything else you've heard otherwise is strictly speculation from the local beat writers there. There's some beat writers that think on the on that on the low end he'll just replace Latavius's workload from last year. I think that's on the very lowest end of possible outcome. And uh, I mean, definitely DeAndre Washington is the handcuff that to own. Uh, he's certainly running ahead of Jalen Richard, who's also still getting significant action, but Washington is running ahead of Richard. For two days, I thought DeAndre Washington was sick out there. I had a chance to ask Derek Carr about him yesterday at the post, uh, uh, post-practice uh, uh, media availability. Derek Carr says he thinks that DeAndre Washington is having one of the most outstanding camps of any player in Napa. And, that, and one thing I noticed about DeAndre Washington, man, is he started to turn into a little bit of a pit bull in pass protection drills. And Derek Carr made sure to bring that up yesterday and talk about how critical that was to hit in the game. So one thing you'll notice is that he and Richard, Jalen Richard, they look almost identical in terms of their body type. And really, even in the way that they play the game and what they're asked to do out there, they're almost like clones. But Washington is clearly, you know, a tick or two or a tick or three more explosive, better in the passing yes. game. Just a better player. I mean, he was, he was, he was drafted. He, looked, like, he, like, he, he honestly looks like a miniature Charlie Garner to me. And Raider Nation knows what that looks like. Yeah, they and certainly did. So, they certainly I mean, did. I, to me, DeAndre Washington is the handcuff to home. I, also well, I mean, is he, is he a, is he a true handcuff? That he's going to have standalone value. Is, is DeAndre Washington a true handcuff? Is DeAndre Washington a true handcuff? I think for his ADP, I think, I think it's worth handcuffing Lynch with him. I don't think he's a true handcuff. I think if Lynch goes down, DeAndre Washington is going to be a decent, pretty decent flat play. And there's a situation where he's good enough that he may have some standalone value as a low-end flat play. Even if even if Lynch is healthy as the Lightning, the Lynch is Thunder. So yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's a, I don't wouldn't call him a true handcuff, but they don't have any other options, and he's the second best running back on the team, and the guy's pretty damn stout. You know, if you think Amir Abdullah can be a starting running back in the league, then I certainly think that DeAndre Washington can well, carry some water for a while. DeAndre Washington's a little bit smaller than Amir Abdullah. I mean, we've seen both those guys he's at the senior two, He's two oh five. 205, and I want you to look. DeAndre Washington has bigger calves than Marshawn Lynch. DeAndre, I was, I mean, DeAndre. Well, I love the way DeAndre Washington is built in the lower body. He is a stout dude. 205. Yeah, I guess I don't remember him being 205. I just, I, I, I remember he was 5'7", but I guess, I mean, that probably means he's probably pretty stout. Yeah, so if he's, if he's, if he's 205. He was 5'8", 205. He's a squat guy with a lot of leverage, pretty powerful, pretty compact, man. You said something, all right, so, I mean, that's where we are on the on the runners. Um, still high on Marshawn Lynch. DeAndre Washington can be had for free in the final round of your fantasy drafts before you take kickers and defenses. I'm going to need to update the PPR cheat sheet to where he is, you know, I'm not even sure he's a factor on the current cheat sheet, so he, I, I need to just update that to, I updated it to version 2.4 yesterday. I'll, uh, I'll get 2.5 up. And DeAndre Washington will be a factor there in the mix and sort of the 14th round discussion if um, if some of the other options that uh, we'd like you to take there in the 14th round are unavailable, such as the Deontay Foremans, the Kenny Galladay's, Rex Burkhead's, et cetera, et cetera. So let me transition to the wide receivers. And so alarm bells went off in my head whenever you talked about Amari Cooper. You said you're going to be getting him down He's a guy that I've had trouble deciding between uh, him and Des Bryant based on uh, our strength of schedule tools at rosterwatch.com and the absolutely brutal uh, series of individual matchups that Des Bryant's going to face this season in 12 of his 16 
uh, 12 of his 16 uh, fantasy uh, matchups for 16-team leagues are basically against uh, cornerbacks if those corners decide to shadow, which they likely will against Des Bryant, uh, given uh, given the fact that there really aren't any other receiving options worth a shit on that team. He Like, he's going to face, out of those 16 games, 12 of those games, he's going to be looking to face guys who we have ranked by our proprietary metrics as top 10 cover corners. I've been having a lot of trouble between him and Amari Cooper deciding who to have ranked ahead of who. You said you're going to get Amari Cooper down. I think that this information could be critical in helping me decide sort of where we have these guys slotted. What is it you didn't like about Amari? Well, there's a few things at play here. Um, you know, I'd say that, you know, first thing, you know, we need, we need to come to grips with reality, be honest with ourselves. So what's been going on with Amari Cooper heading into last fantasy season, and I believe even heading into this year's fantasy trap, there's a lot of projecting going on in terms of his ability uh, matched with the potency of this offense and the Amari break, Amari Cooper breakout. Just it has to be coming like at some point, right? Seems like it should just be a fact of life, right? Yes. Well, you know, we have we need to read the writing on the wall that's been given to us, and you know, the fact is he's. Look, Derek Carr likes him, but he's not Derek Carr's guy. Michael Crabtree is, and we'll get to that in a minute. Michael Tra- Crabtree is absolutely Derek Carr's guy, not Amari Cooper. Uh, the other thing at play is that Amari Cooper has missed like half a training camp with a mysterious lower body injury that nobody's Jeez. talking about or reporting on. It's a, it's, people believe it's a knee, but nobody knows for sure. And so, you know, to me, if you're trying to take that next step in the offense and gain and and kind of catapult yourself to, you know, Derek Carr's guy, that's a little, you know, to take that next step is a little hard to do. You're going to miss half a training camp. Not to say there's not enough time to make that up. I mean, there's still a month of pre- a preseason almost. But, you know, he's missed half a camp with a with mysterious injury. So, you know, part of it is is that, He's not, he's not Carr's guy, Crabtree is, so we need to tilt the scales, you know, of exposure a little bit in that direction. And then he's missed half a camp with an injury to, his, to what appears to be a knee, and nope, there's not been a return in sight um, or discussed. And, you know, the other thing is, is that he has just flat out not been a red zone guy. He, he has not been a red zone guy. And here's why. I had, we had an interesting discussion, uh, me and a couple of the beat writers yesterday. Look, if you look at Amari Cooper and Odell Beckham in terms of route running and separation ability, there's so much in common there. And so then you say, well, God, why, you know, that, they're, those, they're similar in that way. Why is Odell Beckham so good in the red zone, but Amari Cooper has been pretty lackluster? Well, a few things. Derek Carr has Michael Crabtree. That's number one. That's his guy, and Crabtree's very good in the red zone. The other thing is, and we've said this since he's come out of college, Amari Cooper is not the high-point natural hand catcher, high-point naturally explosive hand catcher that Odell Beckham is. He isn't isn't a good contestant. Even the advanced statistics show that he isn't a a good contested contested catch winner. That's that's, that's showing through at the NFL level. Neither is he the explosive vertical threat that uh, Odell Beckham is. And let's be honest, Amari Cooper's had some trouble with drops in his first couple of years. So that, that's, that's, you know, and make, Cooper has come out this off this during training camp and said basically he wants to become more dominant in the red zone, and those are the things he's working on. So, of course, if that all happens, that's huge for a guy like Cooper. But once again, we're back to projecting. So I am... I, I, you know, I, I really, you look at it, you say, man, everybody took Cooper so high last year. You know, he was good, but it didn't really pan out. Why is his ADP so high again? And then I get out here and you look at all this and you say, man, it's time to back off Cooper. I'm making sure I'm getting Marshawn Lynch at that part of the draft instead of Amari Cooper. And then I'm going to up my exposure to Michael Crabtree, who, who honestly is very, very essentially – just like uh, Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin. 
I think it's a Thanksgiving dinner situation. Uh, (laughs) With with Derek Carr, Khalil Mack, and Michael Crabtree all showing up to dinner. (laughs) I mean, well, Khalil Mack is awesome. Uh, But, uh, yeah, you know, when you watch practice, it's just, and granted, Cooper wasn't out there, so I didn't get to watch what how it looks with Cooper. But you just get this sense that I mean, everything looks so comfortable every time Carr has a rep at Crabtree. It just does. And so I asked Carr yesterday. I mean, it's just it's evident watching practice that Crabtree is this guy. It looks just like Doug Baldwin and Russell Wilson. He can't really self-separate, but he's the guy that. Car goes through every time, just like Wilson did with Baldwin. He, he catches every Crabtree catches everything. He's essentially like a big for Doug Baldwin out there. Maybe not as shifty, but a little more physical, a little bigger body. And no, so we always Carr said, man, he's he, we always said he's the Spider Man of possession receivers. He's like a Brandon Lloyd in a bigger body, like of a possession guy. Yeah, and he looks good. He doesn't look like he's lost a step or anything, and so. You know, I asked Carr, I said, hey, man, why do you look so comfortable when you throw the ball to Michael Crabtree? And the first thing he just said is, well, he's got amazing hands. He's extremely reliable, and we're a lot alike. He said, well, we get along. We're like brothers. We hang out all the time. We fight like brothers. We're cool 30 minutes later. We're both very competitive. Like, oh, we have a lot of common personality traits. Like, we're just two peas in a pot. And so I'm telling you, this is a Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin Thanksgiving situ- dinner situation <laughs> with the, with, with, with with their matching sweaters. <laughs> yes, with the Huxtable Huxtable sweaters. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at the Between, red zone. I'm looking at the red zone targets here. from last year and uh, Michael Crabtree. 26 red zone targets. He was actually third in the entire National Football League in red zone targets. Let me find Amari Cooper. Um, only 17 red zone targets. And you know what? You know what you see in that is that he only had a 29.41% catch rate on those end zone targets. He only caught five of. Uh, I'm sorry, red zone targets. He only caught five of 17 red zone targets. Uh, whereas Michael Crabtree had a 46% catch rate on those red zone targets. He he caught 12 of 26. So uh, that completion percentage. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's a, it's over twice the completion percentage, and you know, just certainly a far greater volume of those red zone targets. I don't see much in that offense changing schematically. So I, I guess, I mean, I guess it, you're you're kind of right. Let me just ask you real quick. At this point in time, seeing um, seeing uh, Brandon Moss cooks, <laughs> how sick he's been looking. Do you like Brandon Cooks better than Amari Cooper? I mean, I'd say at the end of the year, their stats are probably going to be similar. For We're, me, the way I would like, for the way I'd like my portfolio to look, yeah, I'd probably like some some Brandon Cooks there. What and about? Well, let me say. Oh, well, let me ask you this: What about what I asked you about earlier? The Des Bryant Amari Cooper conundrum. They both have their warts. I mean, what do you think about that? I'd rather roll my dice with Des Bryant. I mean, I think Steve Kelly is going to keep the defenses honest, and he's. Dak's the only guy, and I, I got, you know, uh, uh, you know, tr- trust in Dak, man. And where we'll and, 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 Cowboys game is, today. I'll tell you more later. Is is DeAndre Hopkins um, a guy that you consider above all of those options? Look you like know, Hopkins is on Hopkins is on my list of players to revisit when I uh, make some adjustments to the. Uh, next release of the standard draft cheat sheet probably tonight, hopefully tonight. Um, I don't know. I got to think that through. I got to look at all that with Hopkins. I think there's a case. I mean, there's a, there's a huge upside case with Hopkins. You know, I, I think Des Bryant feels safest to me out of that whole group. It so really just does. The, it's just the, it's just the, I, it's the schedule, man. It just seems like it's going to be so brutal. I mean, I know good players are going to be good regardless of who they face. But, man, it's just a murderer's row that he's got. We'll, we'll just have to see. I'm going to have to work on it. You guys can go to rosterwatch.com and, and download the cheat sheets. Uh, this is being recorded on Thursday. You, you probably won't listen until you know Friday or Saturday, but you'll see in the newest editions of the cheat sheets that, you know, how we kind of 
how we kind of get this sorted out with how we want to be shifting exposure to all of all of Roster Watch Nation, all of our pro community there that supports us in such maniacal ways. Uh, you did tweet out something about Cordero Patterson telling the fans to shut the fuck up because he dropped a pass. Um, any uh, any follow-up on him as far as your bold prediction on the Sirius XM Airwaves that that free agent signing was going to be uh, one of the biggest under the cover sign un- undercover signings of the uh, of the twenty six of the uh, twenty seventeen spring. Let, let me get to Cordero in one second. We have zero fantasy interest in him. All right. Uh, one last point I wanted to make about Michael Crabtree was that I keep saying over and over again he's he's essentially uh, Derek Carr's Doug Baldwin. Yes. And Doug Baldwin, Doug Baldwin is a guy we said after Seahawks camp that he's a sure he's a sure bet, you know, in that offense as a low as a safe kind of bet, you know, in fantasy. But he's not the guy that we want to own on that offense. We said that Doug Baldwin's ADP is just too high. So what I would mention is that if that's the kind of player you're looking for, I think Michael Crabtree has the more palatable ADP and right. provides a very a, a similar player. So what you get out of Doug Baldwin there. Okay. Um, that's something we will be re- reconciling on this next release of the uh, standard draft sheet sheet. Yeah, Cordero Patterson, we have zero fantasy interest in him. I saw, for the last few days, I saw every reason why he never was able to transition to wide receiver in the NFL or in Minnesota. And, you know, uh, subsequently, eventually, uh, you know, gone out of Minnesota and landing in Oakland. I mean, he has a chance to be – I think he can be a Devin Hester on kick returns, man. He has a chance to be the best kick returner in the league, and I think that's enough to that's enough to help the Raiders win one or two games that they may not have won otherwise this, this upcoming year. Um, he's just – you know, Cordero Patterson is not a natural – catcher of the football I mean that's just that's that's it and he can't he just cannot as as explosive as an athlete he is he just cannot run routes like a technician is separate it's just not in his DNA and so it just none of that comes naturally to him I mean when they you get the ball in his hands he can make some big plays and that obviously is the allure of trying to kind of fit that square peg into the round hole at the wide receiver position and I think you know the Raiders have invested in him so they're trying to, I think, force some reps, you know, out there at the wide receiver position. But, I mean, it's very, very clear that Seth Roberts is the number three. Uh, Derek Carr loves Seth Roberts. As a matter of fact, when we're talking to Carr yesterday, he loves Seth Roberts so much that that's the guy you start to say, well, you know, he's not – Seth Roberts, no, he's not going to put up Amari Cooper numbers. But, like, if you're going to own somebody other than Crabtree, maybe the smart guy is to be the trash man and get Seth Roberts for, you know, a wood nickel at the end of your draft or when you're in a pinch during a waiver wire situation uh, during the season. So he's the clear number three. Do you I know that Seth Roberts, had the, Seth Roberts had the 14th most red zone targets in the National Football League last year? <laughs> I, just, I, still have this, uh, I still have this red zone target uh, spreadsheet pulled up. Can you believe that? He had he had twenty red zone targets last season. He had twice as many yeah, red zone he had twice as many red zone targets as Julio Jones. <laughs> Dude, he's slick. He's slick. He's slippery. He makes tough high high point catches with his hands. And I mean, Carr just loves him. And so Seth Roberts, the clear number three, with Cooper out. I'd have to look at the roster. I'm driving right now. There was I can't want to say it was number eighty or number eighty eight. I think it was eighty running out there as the wide receiver four, or the wide receiver three, because Seth Roberts was kind of filling in for Cooper, uh, that was running out there with the first team, a guy I'd never heard of, but apparently having a good camp camp. I think his name was K.J. Brent. Yeah, KJ, it looks like K.J. Brent. It looks like he was a college free agent in, in 2016, and I don't remember even doing any work on him. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't behind, know anything about behind him. That, behind that, you have uh, Johnny Holton. Who who we know right? Who 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 we know about? He's got uh, some speed, Kevon but not much. Luke, Kevon Lucas out of Arkansas. Oh, Kevin. Pretty good show. Kevin Lucas. Huh? Not a pretty good show out there. Yeah. So I mean, truthfully, I think that Patterson looks worse than all those guys. They're they're trying to kind of run him in with the 
third and the fourth guy, but nobody out here can see him really being any more than the fourth receiver. And if it's based on talent and training camp, he should be probably the fifth wide receiver on the depth chart. Uh, the one thing I will say, though, that I did notice is that yesterday they were installing some 11 personnel where they had Cordero Patterson uh, out working out of the backfield taking handoffs. So, uh, you know, to me, to me, there's no fantasy allure here to Patterson. I think he's a decent, going to be a decent gadget player for the team and great addition on special teams. Um, but, I, you know, I think what the Raiders are thinking is, look, we need to find a way to get this guy five, maybe sometimes ten touches a game between his kick returns on and all his special team touches and some you know gadget plays and maybe a few plays at wide receiver on the field. I think you're looking at a five to ten touch a game Patterson in a perfect world for the Raiders, and you know that that includes a handful of special team touches, obviously. Uh, every single week. So, yeah, no no interest in Patterson for our fantasy All right, and then I guess the final piece, unless there's anything else that you want to talk about, Jared Cook, he's a guy who we sort of have built into the cheat sheets as a trap door along with Austin Hooper and, and, and some others for our, all of our users there that partake in the magical mystery of the mythical cheat sheet. Um to where if, if if you miss on any of the tight ends that we like early, which really there aren't many of them, uh, you can end up with a backup plan of an Austin Hooper and or a Jared Cook, and it seems like that is it seems like that's that that strategy after uh, spending some time in in Raiders camp is one that looks like we've been smart as hell to have, to have been employing thus far. Would you say that that's correct? Yeah, I mean I. As did you. I mean, I constructed the standard draft cheat sheet uh, to where Jared Cook was our lifesaver um, at the end of the draft if we missed on any of the kind of higher-tier tight ends that we're targeting, the Jimmy Graham, Martellus Bennett, the occasional value on the Tyler Eifert, et cetera, et cetera, or, or even the Olsen. And um, so in draft simulations, as I test the cheat sheet, I mean, we have a ton of exposure to Jared Cook uh, when when we miss on on those other guys. And look, man, I mean, I'm I, I am perfectly fine with that. And I'm now for this next release. Um, certainly, one of my notes is to make sure that that trend continues to make sure that we stay high on Jared Cook. Um, since we're getting him late, I'm actually going to get him up a tiny little bit on the sheet just to make sure that we continue to get him late. Um, where there's other players we're not even that interested in anyways at that point. And what I'll say is through two days, I thought Jared Cook was really good out there. He was definitely handling the lion's share of the pass-catching reps um, from the tight end group. It doesn't seem like there's really any kind of – there's other guys who are going to get in and play and block. There's a guy named Seth Lee, I think, that leaves this white tight end they love love as a blocker. So he's going to get in in the 12 personnel. But, and Walford got in on a few 12 personnel sets where he got a few receptions. But dude, ship sailed on that guy. Yeah, the ship has sailed is, on that guy. Jer- this is a Jared Cook offensive tight end. Dude, he, he, made, he was catching everything. He's fast. He looked great, right? And so I, I was feeling really good through two days of camp of where we've had him on the cheat sheet and the exposure we've had to him and the fact that there's probably – Already quite a few members of Ross Watch Nation who own Jared Cook on a fantasy team this year who have used the epic, the legendary draft cheat sheet at rosterwatch.com. And, man, this was only reinforced for me out of this camp that we got to stay high on Cook. He's a great emergency option late in our draft. He shouldn't be going as late as he is. He's as good an option as anybody to be a late, to be a, a, a late, kind of back-end, tight-end one average on the season with a little bit of upside for more. He's as good as anybody else and that you're going to be shuffling through throughout the season, and he has a chance to be better. And so uh, Derek Carr, another guy I got to ask, uh, Cook is another guy I got to ask Derek Carr about. And I just said, you know, what does – I forget the exact question. Uh, not not what does he mean to this offense, kind of what uh, – talk about – Talk about the connection you're building with Jared Cook is what I said to him. And he basically went bananas. He said, dude, Jared Cook is a standout of training camp. And he said, this guy's a matchup 
nightmare. Nobody can match up with him. It, it put a linebacker on him, and he's toast. And he said that, dude, I just can't wait. This, you know, we haven't been able to practice with the full arsenal out here. Cooper's been on the bench. But he said, I can't wait until we have everybody out here. Like, Jared Cook is going to be a matchup nightmare once everybody's on the field. And so, if Derek Carr loves Jared Cook, I think he was, you know, if you ask these guys, you know, what do you think about Cook's role in the offense, you get some bullshit answer. Usually. Yeah. You know, by asking it this way, I thought he kind of went into the how he sees this schematically. And, I mean, to me, he sees the notion that there's going to be a lot of matchup potential with Cook on the field, and he wants to take advantage of those. And, I mean, I expect Carr to utilize that. So, I think Jared Cook being – he looks like he's going to be very involved – and he's going to be a very nice big pick in our fantasy leagues. I'm going to be super happy to roll out of my drafts with Cook late if that means that I'm able to pick up an extra stud in those, you know, in that fourth to eighth round of the draft. Well, speaking of extra studs, I just before I know you're about to have to get out of here and get to Cowboys camp. We'll make sure and have a pod after that one and just keep everybody in Roster Watch Nation updated, not only through our maniacal tools, but also through these podcasts that, uh, that the – this, the listening audience is just growing at such a rapid pace, and we're certainly happy about that. Uh, would like to give you a reminder to please give the podcast a five-star rating and a five-star review. When I see how many people listen to this podcast versus how many people have given us reviews, it makes me absolutely sick that people just don't take the time to, like, it takes 10 seconds. Like, there's, there's I mean, <laughs> the number of people who've given reviews is literally less than one-tenth of one percent of the listeners of one of these podcasts. So if you could please just go give us a rating and or a review, let us know that you like it. Uh, that would be very helpful to us, uh, not only for just kind of letting us know the interest that people have in this podcast, but also in the ability to uh, sell advertising space to, to sponsors. All right, so so Byron, let me just ask you a couple of things before you get out of here, just of a general nature, not having to do with Raiders necessarily, just some reactions to news and notes from around the league as they pertain to the construction of the cheat sheet as I'm going to be having to get, I guess, a, two, a version 2.5 up today after some of the conversation we've had and just some guys who I've been having questions about. One, T.Y. Hilton, uh, how concerned are you that Andrew Luck is still throwing around a goddamn tennis ball as part of his rehab two weeks into camp? Um, I'm starting to get a little bit worried about old T.Y. Hilton here. I'm not sh- I'm not sure you know, how much we need to be moving him down at this point, how overreactionary we need to really be on this. But are you starting to get a little bit goosey about the idea of T.Y. Hilton or at least a little less sure than we were maybe through the, sp- through the spring and early part of the summer? I mean, I'd like to see a little more information before I make any overreactions. Just we love T.Y. Hilton for this season. And Stefania Bell told me at the NFFC that she was really confident that Andrew Luck was going to be fine for the season. I mean, obviously, we're getting rumblings to the contrary that are, you know, causing some concern right now. I mean, I think it's a reasonable notion to go ahead and flip him with Michael Thomas. I think it's a reasonable notion to make sure you're getting like guys, guys like Devontae Freeman, et cetera, Jordan Howard, all those guys over him. What about Jordy um, Nelson? Who? Jordy. I mean, I think that, that's, that's, a, that's a safe play. That's an argument. Yeah, I think that's yeah, right. a safe play. Okay. I think that's fair. I think it's fair if you look, another guy that we're going to be making sure, I'm going to be verifying all this next in the next week while I'm in Southern California at all these training camps. But, I mean, a guy that we've been equally as high on getting a lot of exposure to is Todd Gurley. That's a guy I'm going to want to continue to stay high on based on everything that I'm seeing so far throughout the preseason and training camp. So I can see an argument for making sure that maybe, like, you got T.Y. Hilton a little bit more down in that territory. Yeah. Um, I, you know, depending on ADPs and, and PPR as you're finagling all of those. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a reasonable consideration. It, it, what, what I'm hoping is that this turns into value on T.Y. Hill. Okay. And then so, and I think, I don't know if it will, the ADPs haven't really adjusted that 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 much. I think this is probably something where, uh, I made a shift with T.Y. Hilton yesterday on the PPR cheat sheet that you guys can go check out, Byron included, and just kind of see what you think of it. I think it kind of falls in line uh, with what you are 
saying here in 2.5, I think I'm going to tighten it up a little bit to make it fall a little bit more in line because I certainly agree with that. Okay, two more players I wanted to discuss. We already talked a little bit about Brandon, Brandon, Randy Moss, Cooks. I just feel like um, I want to. We, we've been getting good exposure to him. I want to continue getting it. It feels like the hype is going to get out of control pretty soon with what a disgusting camp he's having. Um, the two others I wanted to talk about, though, sort of in what could be a similar range of running back. Uh, you and I talked at length in the last podcast, I guess podcast 32, about um, about Carlos Hyde following your trip to the San Francisco 49ers camp. That was kind of a good news, bad news about Carlos Hyde. Uh, good news for prospective Carlos Hyde owners being it seems like the rumors of his demise over the course of the offseason have been pretty much greatly exaggerated, and he, de- and he definitely kind of looks like the dude right now. Bad news being uh, that guard play is going to be absolute bullshit, even especially without uh, Josh Garnett in there. Once Josh Garnett gets in, he still sucks. So, you know, that could be an issue to start. So maybe it's a little bit of a tap the brakes kind of deal with him. I've moved him up a little bit um, to to where we might be getting a, a small bit more exposure than we had been previously. Are you starting to like him a little bit more than a Ty Montgomery? Um, is he getting no, in? No, no. All right. No, okay. No, um, no. And now for Joe Mixon, with the reports coming out of camp, I think these reports are all bullshit. All they're only coming from media members um, who are saying now it's now uh, kind of a, a group of these. You know, it's not just one lone voice anymore from one person who I can just write off as being an idiot. Now it's been two or three reports that it looks like they believe Jeremy Hill, unless there's an injury, was going to be the starter for the entire season. I just don't see that being the case. I worry a little bit with Joe Mixon, though, with the initial depth chart coming out, uh, the unofficial depth chart, having Joe Mixon third. uh, um, Of course, uh, head coach Marvin Lewis has had the health scare recently, but coming back from that, said that he was excited. He's been excited about what he's seen out of Joe Mixon. He's even more excited to see... Uh, about how his pad level is going to look and about how his uh, about how his tracks are going to look and pass protection. So apparently, you know, his ability in pass protection is something that is still sort of yet to be seen by the by the leadership in that coaching staff. Whereas we know that um, we know that that's something that is going to be, uh, you know, viewed as as a strength in, in Jeremy Hill and Gio Bernard once he returns. Is Joe Mixon a guy who you're getting a little bit more worried about with his current round three ADP? Well, man, I think this is the beauty of the cheat sheet. I mean, and why, even though it's such a simple one-page document that it's so dynamic, is that what we always preach is that we're always digging when everybody dags. So undoubtedly what always happens is we create the first versions, the skeletons, the cheat sheet. There's all these guys that we love versus ADP that we're just crushing it with in these draft simulations. And what ends up happening, and you see it once real drafts start in earnest, you know, we're always ahead of the curve. These ADPs start to, to shift pretty rapidly, and they start to kind of catch up with us. Well, but the beauty is, is that no, it doesn't matter. No matter how they change, we're always going to rework this thing. Right. To where we're to where we're taking advantage of the system and pillaging everybody for value, and so you know, this to me is an opportunity to kind of rework Joe Mixon's construction into the cheat sheet, uh, but kind of kind of dag it in our favor to where we're going to get potentially more exposure to him at better value. Yeah. Uh, that's almost exactly the way that I. That's exactly the way that I was planning on on handling this. I feel like he's gonna his, his ADP is going to drop a little bit if we can get more exposure to him while still being able to say in that third round where we might have taken him previously. If we can get at that point in time, a Sammy Watkins, a Keenan Allen, a Christian McCaffrey, maybe an Isaiah Crowell, somebody like that in the third round, come you know later third round, come around after that and get. Uh, a guy like Joe Mixon who just has such immense upside there in the fourth round. This is a guy who, you know, this is a guy who has legitimate Le'Veon Bell-like upside. So I think that a lot of this, 
a lot of this talk is going to help us be able to just get him a little bit cheaper. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of the way that I see it too, man. So those were the guys I just kind of wanted to go over with you. Any any last thoughts before heading on to Cowboys camp? Yeah, just, I, man, I got a little bit sick uh, late at night, last night in bed, that we are kicking up towards triple-digit uh, five-star reviews on iTunes for this uh, Roster Watch podcast. Also, Tr- ticking up towards triple digits. Well, thank you guys. I haven't I haven't checked in the in, in in a little while, so that is terrific. And you can see how sick we get. Byron gets very sick late at night, late at night in these hotel rooms. He's out lonely in these hotel rooms. Roster Watch Nation trying to gather information for you guys. The least you can do is get the guy a little bit sick. Let him get a little bit sick at night reading reading these these these, these reviews. All right. So what else is coming home to roost? Well, coming home to roost for me and coming home to roost for Roster Watch Nation. And I guess you could say coming home to roost for you. What about Deontay Foreman's sickness last night? He got too sick. He's going to be, he's, hey man, he's, he's, he's going to be absolutely sick. We have an update to the Dynasty Cheat Sheet that'll be coming out this week. I might even get it up here on Thursday. If not Thursday, Friday, we had one of the commenters in the, uh, in the, uh, in the front page, uh, the roster watch uh, ticker, where you can ask any question, and you know, one of us, either Byron, myself, or the trash man, we'll get to your, uh, we'll we'll get to your question as expediently as, as as we can. That's kind of where our community interacts is in the comments section of all those articles. We don't really have forums, so. Um, but there was somebody in the comments uh, just yesterday that was asking about an update to that dynasty sheet. I told them that that would most certainly be coming and. One thing we're gonna have to keep doing. We've been super high on, on Deontay Foreman. We've had him at a, as a first round value this whole time. Uh, whenever he still doesn't even have a first round ADP in in, in Dynasty, that's gonna continue, and we're gonna have to get him up in front of guys that have ADPs much higher than him. As Byron will be very happy to know, we'll definitely have to get him up above like the Alvin Kamara's of the world, uh, certainly above the the uh, Joe Williams of the world. Following the intelligence that we have coming out of San Francisco 49ers camp. I mean, what can you say, man? 8.4 yards of carry on nine rushes. I mean, he had the big, uh, the big monster run, followed that up with one where he uh, showed a – I mean, it's just that same vision and smoothness and just pure speed that we saw out of him in college. And then you see, in the, see the second run that he, that he put on after the big, long 40-yarder where he, where he completely hurdles some idiot trying, trying to tackle him and makes him look like a fool. And you just see, man, this stuff's going to translate for Deontay Foreman and uh, – you know, not sure the impact he's going to make this year. Certainly a guy that the cheat sheet will be um, one of the options that the cheat sheet will give you to take with your last or second-to-last pick this year. If Lamar Miller does get hurt, like I was saying yesterday on, on NFL Radio, giving my fantasy preview for the uh, the the, um, the preseason game last night, as, as I've been a guest for the last few days on, on the training camp live uh, program there on NFL Radio, which I certainly think is, you know, super cool for – for uh, to be a part of and super cool for roster watch nation to continue being recognized by these larger outlets. But uh, what I, what I told them last night is that, look, this is a guy who, you know, right now he's Lamar Miller's backup. And that is the case for redraft leagues this year. Um, it's going to be hard to pencil him in for, for much more than eight to 10 touches to a game, as long as he is Lamar Miller's backup, but there are ways that he can go from being Lamar Miller's backup to being the lead dog there. One of them is to continue looking like this and just playing better than Lamar Miller. The other one that's probably more likely given the amount of, um, given the amount of money that they paid Lamar Miller is for Lamar Miller to get hurt. And if one of those things happen, Deontay Foreman is going to be worth his weight in gold. I mean, he looks, he looks sick. So we're very happy with all the exposure that, that, that we have to him. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm thrilled from the fact that Roster Watch Nation owns a ton of Deontay Foreman in their dynasty league. A ton. Uh, you know, we went we to Foreman's Pro Day uh, this year, and we left there, and we just said, look, I mean, on talent alone, Joe Mixon is the number two back in this draft, but I said, when there is a strong argument that when you add the whole picture up, character, everything, that Foreman was, was very much a contention for our number two rated running back uh, heading into the NFL draft as, as far as, as his workhorse ability, because, you know, guys like McCaffrey, you know, aren't really necessarily uh, workhorses, and uh, 
you know, the other thing we said is that, you know, it was an unusually good draft for Rick Smith and the Houston Texans. And the reason, look, Bill O'Brien told us at the Combine that they ran the wheels off of Lamar Miller last year. They could not afford to do that again this year. The other thing we told you that nobody would have ever, ever have made this uh, analysis that we were very clear about is that Foreman is interchangeable with Lamar Miller because even though they have different body types, it's actually a very similar style of running back. And, you know, look, the fact is that Foreman was a better prospect coming out of college than Lamar Miller was. And he's got the big body to at least potentially vulture the goal lines. And like you said, Lamar Miller, not the model of health and durability. So, I mean, there's just a lot of things in play. I think Deontay Foreman is a must-own handcuff for Lamar Miller owners. He can be had for next to nothing. And, you know, for me now, I'm going to start looking at this thing saying, I mean, I don't. do we want Foreman, you know, to handcuff Miller more than we want uh, Jonathan Williams to handcuff LaShawn McCoy. I'm thinking those guys are going to have to start belonging to similar area of the draft. Uh, Foreman's going to have to be uh, uh, moved up on the next release of the cheat sheet here coming in the next 24 hours. That's Byron, draft. That's Byron Lambert, co-founder at Roster Watch. You can find all of our content at rosterwatch.com with a pro membership. Find us also on Twitter at uh, at Roster Watch. Byron is out there working his ass off for our pro members within our pro community at rosterwatch.com, as is the trash man out on the road right now for the Roster Watch uh, training camp tour. That'll wrap it up for podcast 34 here uh, for Byron Lambert, for the trash man, for the robot genius. My name is Alex Dunlap. This is the Roster Watch podcast. We will see you next time. The Roster Watch podcast is brought to you by Roster Watch Nation, our pro community at rosterwatch.com, who, for less than a cheap cup of coffee, uh, support us in all of our maniacal efforts, uh, support us in the creation of all of our tools, uh, all of our travels, everything that we do to make sure that you win fantasy championships. The 2017 Roster Watch cheat sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com for our pro members. The revolutionary cheat sheet that changed fantasy football forever is back only at rosterwatch.com. Winning fantasy players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet is a magic sheet of paper. All you have to do is follow the three simple rules. That's it. Three simple rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet, an expert quality draft is guaranteed. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet, it's mystical, it's magical, it's mythical. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet, it's only at rosterwatch.com.